You're listening to The Red Tales, the Moddy Body Red podcast, which candidly celebrates the messy and iconic parts of our teenage years and our bodies. From juggling changing friendship groups, dealing with first heartbreaks, and waking up to changing body parts, our teenage years are filled with the most defining and often cringeworthy moments of our lives. Luckily, we're not alone. Moddy Body Red is the sustainable, easy-to-use period underwear for tweens and teens. It gives us the best protection against period leaks and stains, so we can ditch pads and get on with living our best lives. I'm Sasha Meany, your host, and every fortnight I'll be joined by a young Aussie who isn't afraid to open up about the all-too-relatable moments from their teenage years and how they lived to tell the tale. The first time I was bullied, I was in year six. One girl didn't like me at all and rallied my classmates against me. Then in high school, the people I thought were my friends started posting horrible things on my Facebook wall. One of them even began trying to intimidate my younger brother. All of us experience bullying to some extent. When we're younger, bullying can be as overt as being called names in the playground. But as we get older, bullying also matures. It becomes subtle, manipulative or calculated. It can contort itself into different shapes from gossip to gaslighting. In any manner, the pain can be ongoing, but you are not alone in your experience of it. Today, Jess Lotnick is sharing her tale about the time she was bullied and how she was able to find closure. Welcome to the podcast, Jess. How are you today? I'm really good, Sasha. That's good. Happy to be here talking with you. (laughs) And you're talking to us about the experiences that I think many of us will understand of being bullied or, you know, feeling that peer pressure at a young age. And you're going to tell us about your experience and how you found some sort of closure, which I'm really excited to hear about because not everybody does. So would you walk us through kind of who you were as a young child, you know, in growing up in primary school, high school? Yeah, of course. I was a pretty awkward kid, I think, as a lot of us were. Mm. And around grade two, I think, I moved to a new school where I had the option of either taking dance class or recorder club. <laughs> and I think a lot of us did recorder, but this wasn't just the standard learning to play the recorder. It was meeting up after school mm-hmm. and learning songs. Mm-hmm. And it was me and four other boys. And that was the club. Oh, bless. So <laughs> it was really cute, really nerdy. Yeah. Um, and I felt really safe in that club, mm. which was kind of shocking then later to have those boys who I consider my friends be my first bullies. Ah. Where I remember it was a lunchtime um, and being a kid who didn't, you know, take the dance class, I was not particularly like active or like, you know, good with my body. I was right. a bit awkward um, and we were playing handball and I might have missed a shot or kind of fell behind, gotten out. And these four boys who I consider my friends started a really mean chant and they chanted around me, Jesse, the fat kid. I know. You would think like out of where did this come? Yeah. And it was really upsetting as a young kid for that to be my first experience of being really conscious of my body. Yeah. And being told that my body was wrong in some way. Yeah. And you were in year two when this happened. This was a little later. This was right before puberty. So I'd been at the school for a couple of years and around age 11, these boys who I'd been friends with for a few years really turned and made me feel quite 
awful about myself. That's so intense as well because you did have that prior friendship. Exactly. It's not like they weren't, they were strangers. No, they, they knew me and they knew who I was and how I was. And so for them to then turn and judge me and shame me was really upsetting. And I left the handball court crying and feeling really upset. What did you do? Did they, where did you go after that? Um, I went to my mum. I went to a teacher. It kind of got dealt with the way that bullying did back then, which was, you know, you tell the bullies, you can't do that. You can't say that. You reassure me, you know, you're okay. You're going to be okay. Um, And I was lucky to have a really supportive mum who told Mm. me, you know, you're beautiful as you are and there's nothing wrong with you. Um, But I found I didn't. And I don't think a lot of kids today would still find it easy to believe those words coming from someone else when they're just keeping them inside them, that feeling of shame. Because someone else, another person outside of you has said the opposite. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to hear it from a parent because... you know, fruit of my loins, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like my child is perfect yeah. and beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, mom, you don't understand. <laughs> mom, like, you love me no matter what. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have to say that. And I think, yeah, at a young age, also being made aware of something that you like you're extraordinarily young. You weren't yeah. thinking about your body in that way yet. You weren't thinking about your body as something to be seen exactly by others. Yeah, like, yeah. And it really made high school where, you know, I went through puberty and I started growing up and getting taller and, you know, getting all those things you get as you grow up, Mm. um, where then I was more conscious of my body. Mm. I couldn't get those words said to me out of my head. Mm. So any swimming carnival, um, any PE, I really didn't like to show my body. Mm. Um, I would wear jeans to the swimming carnival and like baggy shirts to PE and even at like swimming for PE, I would always say, oh, I'm getting my period. I don't, I can't swim today. Mm. I can't get in the pool mm. just because I was so afraid of anyone looking at my body and thinking it was wrong. Did you guys continue into high school together? Like all those boys and yourself? No. So I went to a different high school mm-hmm. to all of them um, and got to kind of find new friends and different people. Um, mm. My high school had a really strict anti-bullying policy, okay, which is kind of hard to define but it did mean any kind of like hint at bullying was really swiftly like stamped out and dealt with Um, could you like run me through that because I I was bullied in primary school and it was very much the um very much a you should just get up walk away Mm. that kind of attitude that the school wasn't going to take part in getting to the root of it or, you know, um, dictating behaviour, mm-hmm. which I can – no, I can't quite understand it actually. <laughs> That's yeah, I, yeah. I can understand. But it's like it probably is a lot of effort for them to do so, but it's also necessary effort that they should do and it's great that your high school did. Mm. But exactly like you said, it seems – it can seem wishy-washy. Like what, yeah, what's yeah. an anti-bullying policy? What was in place? Like, I don't know if there was anything official. I think it was something said really early on, like day one of year seven – we don't tolerate bullying, which maybe then sets a really good message, but bullying still happens. And especially as you become like a teenager and you start to think about boys and about like relationships and looking at people and yourself in a really like fine like lens. Yeah. Um, obviously it still happens and people say things, but it, I think it was really 
hard to then talk about because if you called it bullying, you would have to talk to a teacher, you would have to get some action, something right. done. And so I think it was good that I had a lot of good friends in high school, but I worry that anything said, any kind of like negative words about me, um, I would just internalize yeah. and make them really like part of my own thoughts. It becomes, yeah, it becomes a bit more quiet and also mm-hmm. just because the bullying, like you're no longer in contact with that person doesn't mean that those thoughts aren't still lurking in the back of your mind. If you exactly. haven't addressed it openly, it can just kind of fester a little mm. bit. Like was that, was your body image a sore spot for from then on after that first instance? It, absolutely. Um, still to this day, it's funny that that, tune that chant that they made up on that day now like 12 years ago I can still remember it exactly so even though my relationship with my body has gotten so much better Mm. um it still has stayed with me in a different way now because I have kind of louder voices in my head telling me good things Mm. um but yeah it's really hard to forget those kinds yeah exactly yeah I I'm I'm being transported back to Mm. when I was in primary school and I like accidentally fell over and touched Mm. this girl's bum with my hat and they (laughs) were like, Sasha's into women, like, you know, really awful teenage things that were so, you know, derogatory Mm. and just not not progressive in the slightest. Like now if somebody said anything like that to me, I'd kind of be like, okay. like <laughs> and, and yeah, I think I'm the same. Yeah. Like, it's so funny the insult they used for me. If I heard that today, if I got called that today, I'd be like, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. I think we're lucky that we've come a long way. Mm. That the kind of old bullying words are now more clearly like not negative. Yeah, but as a kid at that age, like fat was just so like the, negative, bad, the worst possible thing I could be called. Yeah, um, and I really shied away from that word or any like synonyms for yeah. the word, like a long time. And going back to that first experience with those boys, did you? Did you interact with them further after that or did you cut yourself off or how how did you negotiate, not the relationship, but, you know, the meeting points mm. of your lives? It's so interesting, yeah, because we did cross paths. We all lived in a similar area. And so in high school, came across them a couple of times. And even in year 10, going through my like 16-year-old kind of angsty phase, um, I wrote a really long, like four page poem mm. addressed to these four boys where I, I thanked them for that experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a really weird kind of processing, but it definitely started a journey of reframing that experience and my relationship with them. Mm. Um, I think one of them even moved to my high school later on. And we've never talked about that experience back in primary school. It's never come up when I've seen them. I think largely because I didn't want to give it any space in that relationship mm. um because when i was 18 i really did make a point of redefining my relationship with myself um i even changed my name ever so slightly but like i the chant was jesse the fat kid and so when i turned 18 i thought i'm going to start going by jess because jess was someone i could you know say who i was and i could be who i was without that like ringing in my mind that Aww. that song so it had a lot of power over me but that really did help me to kind of put it away and know that it had happened and it wasn't okay that it happened 
that I would be okay. Yeah, that yeah. you had a bit more control over it now mm-hmm. than you did when you were in year two. Yeah, like, yeah primary school, <laughs> young, primary school. 10 years old. Yeah, just like, yeah. Could you tell me a bit about this poem? Like what mm-hmm. inspired you? I mean, I know you quite well and I know that you are extraordinarily creative, so I can imagine, but what inspired you to write about that experience and to address mm-hmm. it in such a in such a way to those four boys? Yeah, we had to write a poem for English mm-hmm. for class and I was really struggling to come up with something that I cared about or wanted to write about. And so I just, I think I was just thinking about it and being 16, being like really into like boys, into makeup, into just wanting to feel good and not quite knowing how, I did realize that experience was still sitting with me and still weighing on me and still making me act a certain way to avoid being seen a certain way. And so I wrote it and I addressed it to them and I thanked them for that song, for that experience, not because I think it made me stronger or anything like that, but because it taught me how strong and how good I already was. Mm. Yeah, I really don't like that idea that bullying makes you stronger because I think no one should ever be bullied. I think yeah. it's awful. And, and it's not so much stronger, like you were always that strong. Mm. You've just been forced into a situation where you need to exercise that more than you would ordinarily. But exactly. that, that comes from stress. That comes, like, mm. you know, no child should be under that kind of stress. No. And did you think writing that poem helped you find a sense of closure or did that come later? It started that journey to closure, but kind of getting to who I am now where I feel really good came only after high school mm-hmm. when I was 18 years old and I ended up at my first music festival um, yeah with some friends just out of high school still figuring myself out and it was the hottest summer of my life <laughs> just absolutely drenched in sweat and dirt sitting in a tent unable to get cool unless I took all my clothes off wore swimmers or just like shorts and a tank top, just something to cool down. Right. And being that sweaty and that gross and knowing that I needed to be just like open and expressing myself and just free started to turn me around. Oh. Even at nighttime at this festival when it would get dark and we would all just splash on glitter and wear whatever clothes we wanted, that feeling of being able to go out and dance and be free in my body and not feel judged really was the turning point. That's amazing. And then from and from then on, um, how have you found now to because those doubts, and I hope I'm not over speaking here, but those doubts don't go away. Like that stuff, you know, still pops up every mm. now and then again at your worst moments. What do you do now to help you feel more empowered in your sense of self? I remind myself that my body isn't wrong. It never was. And it lets me do everything I love. It lets me dance, it lets me sing, it lets me write, it lets me run and roller skate. And just knowing that I have that reminder being louder in my head Mm. than those voices from 10 years ago, Mm. even if I don't believe them every day, I still say them and I think them. Mm. Um, And just knowing like anyone who tells you your body is wrong, they're the one who's wrong. I was about to say this might sound a bit backwards, Mm. but... What advice would you give to them, like to like oh, those kids in you too? Like in a word, just don't. Yeah. <laughs> but to kind of go in more depth, um, yeah, the, I have some kind of understanding now that if you bully, there's something more going on with you, and 
maybe if you're not okay, it's not okay to make someone else feel wrong or yeah. ashamed. But yeah, if you need help, if you need love, if you need support, you should get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder to be vulnerable than it is to be defensive. Mm, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And what advice now that we've done the the people who need to take a good hard look at themselves, mm. what advice would you give to girls who are your age going through similar things? Yeah. Um, if I had to give some advice, it would be to trust in yourself and know that you are okay. No one owns you. No one owns your body or your thoughts or your passions. Um, you know yourself. And if you do have voices outside you or inside you telling you that you're not going to be okay, ask for help. But yeah, know that you are okay and you are right and your body is so great, however it is. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jess, for talking to us today. You're incredibly wise. Oh, it's my pleasure. I hope <laughs> hope there's a bit, like a nugget of wisdom in there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sash. Despite what you see in movies, bullying isn't always obvious. It doesn't always show up in the form of physical fights or aggressive demands. Bullying can happen on the street, in a classroom, and even in the workplace. It can be a one-off encounter or an ongoing onslaught. Bullying can shapeshift from name-calling to exclusion to the rumour mill that manufactures and spreads gossip about you. Whatever forms it takes, bullying is never pleasant. Being belittled or called names can make us feel a range of uncomfortable emotions like fear, shame and heartbreak. As it continues, bullying can seep its way into us. We can begin to believe that what is being said is true, that there is something wrong with who we are that there is a reason why someone would want to attack us, that it is our fault and we are deserving of it. If you feel like you're being bullied, here are our suggestions for persevering through the hard times and dealing with your bullies. First, talk to someone you trust. This could be a close friend, a parent, a teacher, a school counsellor, or even a hotline. Although you may feel incredibly lonely and that no one else understands, talking to someone else can make you feel less alone. This person might also be able to suggest ways of helping you handle your situation with the bullies, give you a pep talk, or simply listen to what you have to say. In a time where you can be at your most vulnerable, staying connected is crucial. If the bullying escalates, try and keep a record of what's happening. Write down what happened, who instigated the bullying, and how it made you feel. Writing these things down can help us process our emotions and become more aware of how we're feeling. Keeping a record of the bullying can also be useful if you need to seek further help from another person because it helps you remember all the details. You don't have to keep a journal or write an essay. Just jotting down your notes in your phone can make all the difference. Talking to a professional is an invaluable experience. Not only are psychologists experts in processing trauma and emotions, they also equip you with a greater sense of understanding, support and personal strength. Professional help may seem like a big, overwhelming step, but it is a space many people visit for an unbiased opinion and tangible guidance. Lastly, try to act quickly. Even though it can be tough, seeking advice or support as soon as possible can help you put an end to all the bullying early on. Taking action can seem scary, but you have the strength to get through it all. Above all, remember there's nothing wrong with you, and you didn't do anything to deserve this. Even if it does seem like an endless spiral of hurt, bullying doesn't last forever. Thanks for listening to The Red Tales, the Moddy Body Red podcast. 
If you enjoyed tuning in to today's episode, related a bit too much to the story, or learned something new, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. If you're curious about how Moddy Body Red underwear protects you against period leaks and you'd love to give it a try, visit our website, moddybody.com forward slash red. You can even join the Red Squad by signing up on our website to receive exclusive VIP offers. Because you've tuned into our podcast today, we're giving you a special offer that's exclusive only to our podcast listeners. Simply use our special code podcast and you'll get a 10% discount on any Red product, excluding bundles. Lastly, to keep up with all things red, make sure to follow us on Instagram at moddybody underscore red. Remember, life is messy, but your period doesn't have to be.